Alright, Brandon, so uh, you, you know what this week is. Uh, you know what a significant event is occurring. I'm married. And I can't think what it is. Um, well then, uh, that kind of that kind of ruins the whole whole bit I was gonna do. <laughs> um, <laughs> Valentine's Day. It's Valentine's Day, Brandon. I know. I know you've been. I know you've been off the market for a while, but um, we, uh. You know, we've got to got to stick to some semblance of a of a theme. So um, we decided, you know, we like talking about movies, and we like analysing them and uh, finding cool things to talk about. And so um, we're we're going to have um, a, a little little dive into romantic comedy films today. Um, and as you can tell, Brandon is in a laughing mood, so let's go. So, uh, but before we hit the record button, um, I uh, I got Brandon to uh, think about some of his favorite rom coms, um, just real real hoots, um, really really deep cinematic experiences that uh, forever changed his life. So, Brandon, how about you walk us through a couple of examples? What of great or terrible ones? Is there a difference? <laughs> <laughs> it's it depends, right? The first <laughs> the first thing that um, came to mind was uh, Friends. Funny enough, which te- it isn't a film; it's a TV show, right? And it's one of those that I've absolutely adored since I've been a little kid, and I've just like watched a ridiculous amount. Like I can pretty much quote mm. the entire show. Off by heart, and over the years, I don't think it's aged the best anyway. But over the years, I've just slightly disliked it more and more. Um, main reason is laugh track. I hear. I think we've already <laughs> had a conversation about this. Um, yeah. Hence the laugh track that that you you heard in in this intro, um, and yeah, it, it has a. It's everything's super forced, and I don't know. I can't watch it anymore. Might be because I am utterly drained of watching Friends. Like for twelve, thirteen years straight, <laughs> like nonstop. So that might be why. But I mean, it has some funny moments. We have great characters, um, but I think a lot of the characters are, <laughs> that are quite not nice uh, just kind of played off particularly like characters like joey just like kind of oh uh, yeah yeah <laughs> you know i was like oh he's a womanizer but like the way he kind of treats women isn't exactly the best but everyone just kind of laughs and throws it off because oh it's joey um 
that's an interesting thing that's definitely um popped up from that apart from yeah, that yeah love all the little uh sarcastic comments and jokes but i think it's i think it's the entire um approach to dating on that show in general oh, yeah yeah probably I mean, a bit popularized too... that kind of um mm. like the casualness of it um of yeah just, you know you meet up uh, do wonderful kind of... things and then uh, <laughs> uh, Bob's your uncle that's it that's the yeah next. that's it yeah it's just, it's... Next. <laughs> exactly so like yeah there's, there's definitely got that, that um, casual element to it and it's just you don't notice it much as a kid because obviously you don't understand the whole prem- like premise of it and the idea and whatnot but yeah and it's like you get it that a lot of them are finding fulfillment in life out of falling in love having a family and you definitely see some elements of that but there's quite a lot of elements where like um a lot of people are coming are quite like objectified and just kind of yeah 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 i think i think it's more the casual nature that's brought to it um so that's one like the main things that it's like it's a bit mixed um which brings me on to another tv show which would be considered a rom-com that we love and that i feel definitely has a much better vibe um it's the office and the gym and (laughs) yeah man no last track no no well i mean that's obviously not the only defining thing but yeah, oh, no, not course. not being told how to feel every five seconds about oh, main character A and main character B spent some time together, and they like each other. Isn't that isn't that brilliant? I right. I know that. I don't need the audience going oh for me to know that. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, see, the thing with like Ross and Rachel and Friends is it's it's very much built on. Like their main thing with their relationship is pretty much around whether Ross was in the right when they were on a break to sleep with someone else. <laughs> like, okay, great. I understand that could be like a genuine thing that can come up in a relationship, but it just, mm. I don't know. It just feels like weird. I can't even quite explain it. But yeah, like, it's not a very good foundation. Yeah, that's it. Whereas, yeah, exactly. yeah, you compare that to someone like Jim and Pam. You see, for the first like, well, three seasons, isn't it? They're like, mm-hmm. you know, having banter, the but they're also there for each other. Um, yeah. and you know, they they, you can see their personalities complement one another as well, and that they're interested in every part of the other's life. So it is. It's this very like they've got a very healthy foundation. Obviously, there's other circumstances outside of that that make it a bit complicated. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and obviously uh, their boss <laughs> doesn't make uh, it yeah. for them either. Um, no, exactly. Um, but I feel, it. yeah, it definitely represents a more authentic kind of relationship, which I think is why it's so awesome. I mean, both, um, both the actors, I forgot, Jennifer, uh, Jenna Fisher and John Krasinski, they have fantastic um, dynamic with each other. Yeah. But like the, the, in terms of the relationship in the show, it just feels like a really authentic growth because like you see two people just have a lot of affection and caring for each other. 
and then that slowly grows romantically but they realize that there's a lot of conflict um regarding pam's um engagement to roy and then so it's like oh yeah like that's a big deal like that's Mm. awkward you don't want to get in the way of that so you you have mixed feelings because you really want jim and pam to be together but you understand this massive hurdle that they've they've encountered and you really wonder whether they will be together or not and so that's why it's so rewarding and beautiful when they finally unexpectedly jim just shows up and he's like hey pam you got anything on tonight and then they just start dating it's awesome and yeah yeah i think um with the we won't stay on the office too long here but um i think in the last season as well spoilers if you somehow have not watched it all yet or binge watched it at least a couple of times <laughs> um I, I know some people like when i've read on forums that a lot of people didn't like the dynamic between them in the last season and that they had some marriage problems and communication issues with jim's new job and yeah yeah i get it but at the same time i, I think it kind of goes towards that authentic romantic um real journey of love because at the end of the day like i mean i i speak as married man only being married over a year but like it's genuine that happens i would say that jim and palmer is definitely one of the most realistic beautiful romantic relationships that's put to screen and so yeah i think the idea of them having those marriage problems and then learn to figure it out over a gradual time definitely reinforces the idea that they're awesome they're genuine i yeah. love it and i mean and i mean sorry we both no, mean things yeah we do <laughs> go ahead um but yeah like uh, obviously the um the whole jim and pam thing is like when you think about these sitcom relationships as well um to an extent you know uh, they're portrayed as like these kind of slice of life things where through the camera we get to follow around these made-up characters through their lives but that becomes like we attach ourselves to characters we see parallels between what's happening on a screen and what happens in our own lives and so it can actually like when there's an overwhelming trend like with i think this is why mentioning tv sitcoms is mm-hmm. uh, so important because obviously you know you've got your movies uh, that's like, you know, you spend an hour and a half with two people who hit each other at the start and by the end they're married. It's like, yeah, whatever, suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm, you leave yeah. the cinema, you go home, you can be cynical again. But <laughs> but when it's a TV show, that's yeah. like, that is something that can become a part of people's routine, especially, you know, when it used to be broadcast same time every week. Um, but even now, like with Netflix binge culture, there's an entirely different way that these shows are digested they become kind of like a a part of our own experience uh, based on you know when you watch the show how long that sort of thing so when you see an example of a relationship where there's these two characters that uh, grow and develop over time and also as the audience grows and develops over time because seasons take a while to come out um there's this element of growing with the characters and seeing that actually out of all of the relationships in the office, Jim and Pam, they never throw out, they never throw in the towel, uh, no matter how hard things get. And yeah. that is a really inspiring thing to see in, in basically a culture that is dominated by this idea of 
I guess, a consumerist approach to relationships that the yeah. other person exists as a commodity that will improve my life. And if if I run out of happiness with that person, then instead of figuring out, you know, what can I do to make things better, uh, yeah. just kind of discarding it. Obviously, take this with a well, don't take this with a pinch of salt. I think it's it's good, but you know, it's, I'm also uh, yeah. saying I have very little uh, experience in this area. <laughs> I'm going to do the Catholic priests thing. Uh, this uh, <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. Let me amend that. Uh, just in case you get the wrong idea of what I mean. Um, I'm I'm going to be just a celibate priest for this episode. Uh, mm you know, speaking authoritatively about a subject that I have no experience with. Um, so I will well, defer to Brandon's greater wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know what? It's awesome. I feel like we're both reflecting Paul's letter. I can't remember which letter. How, how I'm not, how am I a Christian if I can't identify the I reference? Think it's one Corinthians, Brandon. Thank you. I didn't know if it was. Uh, and I said I think so. If I got it wrong, then. No. Well, <laughs> I, it means obviously that it's I don't in... get accountable for it because I said I think. I didn't say I know. <laughs> exactly. That's. We just need to start every episode with "We think this is, this is the thing." Anyway. <laughs> no, no. It's twenty twenty one. The way you start something is by saying, "We feel that." Oh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> so true though right um but yeah i feel like we both kind of represent what what paul's saying with you know it's both both are blessings in terms of if you live your life completely celibate and uh, focus on the relationship between you and god it's um it has more of that depth and that is a fantastic blessing in itself and obviously pretty much all of the apostles had that but then obviously there are those who are blessed also in marriage and where did i i saw somewhere where it was to do with um if it is a single light walk with god it's more to do with depth and if that relationship is shared in a marriage it's more to do with breadth did i just say uh, that? right yeah, yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense yeah, so I think it's the idea of like applying that, and um, it's something I wrote about. I can't find it quite quickly enough now, but um, I've wrote about how marriage is definitely a um, it's like a gym or a studio to like an athlete. It's somewhere that you can practice that habitual love and compassion towards someone throughout the good and the bad. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I know Isabel's pretty sick right now. So, I mean, the things I've had to do to accommodate for her and take care of her has definitely been like a new lesson for me. And it really has embodied the idea of in sickness and in health. Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely a place where you go, you practice to share in the good and the bad. And therefore, that kind of allows us to go like an athlete to go out and perform um that practice to take it to other people um and i don't want that to come across as like yeah i'm i'm using my wife in order to love other people like i don't want it to come across that way but um but i think that's where that's one of the beautiful aspects of marriage and that you get to have this one person 
that you get to know and cherish greatly and you really you've got to have a lot of patience with <laughs> you yeah, yeah you're around yeah. them like constantly so um yeah i think it's great that we're both both of us are coming from uh, different perspectives on this um yeah on this topic and so we both get to help each other out so um i've talked too much about my stuff <laughs> which is just being tv shows basically um what are your views what are your um your picks for rom-coms josh uh, well, so this is um, to be fair, it's a, it's a bit unfair because um, I I have a general scorn towards the genre, but I haven't yeah. actually watched many. Um, the ones I've watched that are bad, I generally just forget about. Um, yeah. The biggest problem is that there's a lot that are mediocre, and yeah. I'm going to take a cheap shot and say Adam Sandler <laughs> movies because I've yeah. seen enough films with him in to know that the films he's in are pretty much the same film. Um, mm-hmm. And just like, regardless of what you think of him as an actor or a director, like it, anything where the genre gets too samey is just, for me, it doesn't work. I like things yeah, that are yeah. fresh and original. So um, to dodge talking about ones I don't like, how about I talk about some that I do? Um <laughs> Uh, there was one I saw in the in the past year um, that I absolutely loved uh, because, uh, as you know, Brandon, I like my gimmicks in films. I like when oh, there's a, a cool twist. Um, and this mm-hmm. one was About Time, starring mm-hmm. uh, everyone's favorite uh, First Order General, General Hooks. <laughs> um, Brilliant. Um, it was great to see the character development that he went from being... A space Nazi to uh, a time traveling British person, so that was cool. Right. Um, yeah, I'm I'm trying to. Th- you know what? I can't remember the actor's name, and I feel like it's going to be a discredit to him to call him General Hooks all the time. <laughs> it's some Don- Donald Gleason. Is that it? Oh right, I think so. No, it's not. I'm going to Google it. Let's do it. General Hooks, <laughs> actor. <laughs> Domin Hall Gleason. I was close. Oh, okay. It was okay. Domin Hall, not Dominic. Um, yes, Mr. Gleason uh, did a great job in About Time. Because, um, again, a, a bit like sort of the Jim and Pam thing in The Office, he's presented as just an ordinary guy. There's not this kind of, you know, he's clearly not portrayed as like a womanizer or, uh, I don't know, he doesn't have a swanky job. Um, That's it. He's super the, relatable. Yeah, um, and also the the central gimmick is super relatable as well, um, because uh, you know I don't know about you, Brandon, if you've ever time traveled before, but I'm quite I'm quite familiar. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm I'm not going to pretend uh, that I'm a time traveler just in case uh, the time cops are after me. Um, <laughs> they'll never find me. <laughs> I, um, I'm already no longer here. No longer where? Oh. No, no longer when. Uh, anyway, uh, so <laughs> oh we can do a time travel episode another time, I'm sure. Yeah, man. Well, we've already kind of done one, haven't we? Yeah, yeah I was going to say. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, to get back to about time, about time. Um, the the central gimmick is that this guy is able to go back to any point in his life, um, and he can relive that moment. But there's certain moments that kind of lock in 
So say when he has a kid, uh, that child, if he travels any further back in time than the moment of conception of that child, it's a different child that's born. So he, to an extent, the movie is, it starts off as this escapist fantasy because it's like, oh yeah, all the things I would have redone if I had the opportunity to go back and fix them kind of thing. But um, the real way that he grows is by learning to take accountability for his actions and accepting that things are the way they are and that things aren't always going to go right. And when it comes to, say, his marriage, um, there's this really great point where... uh, So, without getting too much into spoiler territory, uh, in case you do want to watch it, because I do recommend to our listeners uh, this film, um, there is a point uh, in his marriage where he comes into this really big predicament. There's like this massive argument he has with his wife and he tries to get out of there by using this time travel. And the gimmick of it is that he can only do it if he's in a dark enclosed space. So he's trying to get out of that room so he can be on his own and go to like the wardrobe or something. But his wife won't let him. And it's like, you are not leaving this room until we sort this out kind of thing. And so he actually, instead of just, you know, having a get out of jail free card at the end of every encounter he has with anyone, uh, he has to actually own up to his mistakes. And that is something that's really great to see in a film, yeah, a kind of humanity. And also, uh, I haven't spoken much about his love interest, his wife, but she's not just like the, you know, the the character development. She's not just there as a plot device or as yeah, a exactly. thing, like a lot of films portray it regardless of you know who the main character is which gender it is you know um mm-hmm. yeah. the the romantic interest is usually the one that's objectified uh, yeah. and we usually are okay well i'm not i'm not telling people what they're okay with but hollywood kind of conditions people to be more okay with that person's rights being violated if it's for love because we're following a protagonist who we're rooting yeah. for so, you know, all's fair in love and war, um, except not quite. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just, for me, it's the idea that in About Time, you've got these two very real characters. Well, not just two. <laughs> They're all real characters, the entire time. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've got Bill Nye in it as well. Oh, so like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I think the what I really love about that is... Um, and I think I've I've heard people say this in like relationships, like oh, if I wish I could go back, or I wish I could change my decision that I made. And the thing is, there's multiple times that come up where he can, and sometimes the the minor things he does, mm-hmm. but in terms of the big things, he there's still this sense of morality to it. Although he's yeah. in control of how he goes back, there's still um a huge responsibility with that power not to yeah i wasn't trying to quote spider-man there but like (laughs) but you know even in a film like that it's there's still moments that he could have 100 percent have misused that power he could have um taken advantage of that and um people and hmm Sort of, sort of a spoiler. Try not to spoil it. There is a certain predicament that comes up that um, he could be unfaithful very easily, yeah. 
Yeah. And again, spoiler, he doesn't follow through with it, um, which I is great. <laughs> it's so right. good because you really think for a second, If I think it's because you hinted, hinted it um, that bit for me before I watched it, Josh. So therefore, oh, I was already yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I was Sorry. all right, oh, <laughs> good boy. No, 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 it was good. It was good. But yeah, you still wonder in that moment whether he will because he very much could easily just be unfaithful, go back in time, and, and like, no carry one on. Even know. Not even exactly. That, yeah, we got involved. So, but he would know, and I think that's like yeah, yeah. one of the great things. It's having that. People think that like it just the idea of going back in time or no one knowing, therefore releases you from a responsibility and i love that this film was like it could but it wouldn't would it it would still dawn on his mind and yeah the it shows how much he actually loves his wife because he doesn't want to commit something like that he doesn't want to commit adultery and stuff like that he wants to remain true to her and it's a very very beautiful um moment but yeah as we said there as well there's many times throughout that film that he um that he still exercises love amongst all of that. Fantastic. Honestly, one of the best films you've ever recommended to me. <laughs> so good. Um, it is great. Yeah. So I love that. seen the proposal with Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds I have not that's a great film I thought but it's still <laughs> yeah oh of course Ryan Reynolds are you kidding me um, but like that's another film where it's like so she's a like I think a journalist editor or something like that she's like the main boss and she's Canadian basically her for some reason, her visa's like expired or whatnot, and she has to go back unless she's married to an American. So her oh. sister, Ryan Reynolds, he basically walks in and she's like, she's basically like, hi, honey, and like says, I'm engaged to him. And it's just how they pretend to be an engaged couple, ready to marry. And it's how he takes her to, I think, Alaska or something like that. Yeah, basically takes um, her to see the family and it's how they end up actually falling in love anyway, which that's why I'm a little mixed on because I'm like, right, it, it's not impossible, but what realistically would you would you fall in love with your boss who, who forced you to um, <laughs> be your fiancé? Yeah, so it's like, I think that's the main thing with rom-com and I think with just films in general where it's like, for me, some of the things that come out of it are cute. Same as the movie Hitch. I love that one from when I was younger. And the main premise of that is the, the, Will Smith's a date doctor and um, he tries to set up like this super um, awesome, hot uh, celebrity with um, Kevin James. No, Kevin. <laughs> so they basically set them up and it's how they end up actually falling in love and whatnot and it, and then 
basically the day Doctor realizes as he's fallen in love with someone else, he's like, Oh, I've been trying to um make guys change who they are in order to for for women to like them. But he but the whole message at the end is actually you just have to be yourself and then you'll find the woman that you love or something like that. And it's like it's a cute message, but I think a lot of I think the what a lot of the rom com films do in order to get to their cute message is just obviously unrealistic. But I think that's Hollywood in general. Yeah, yeah. There are some where it's a, it's a bit of a leap. Or like this is the uh, actually the thing that movies and some preachers have in common. Um <clears throat> bad ones that is. Um where you're given this like uh, this message in the realm of a metaphor and then with no way there's no analog that you can find in real life to then implement that thing so yeah it's like in a in a movie you've got this like as you say this spy scenario or you go and see will smith as your date doctor instead of just josh moore for your date doctor (laughs) Um, or you know, you have time travel powers, but then I think the the power, well, the yeah, the power of a good movie is the ability to take something, uh, maybe not quite abstract, but something at least uh out of the ordinary, and then to ground mm-hmm. it back in reality. So say with about time, there's this kind of overlying message that it uses time travel to explore, which is the importance of living in the moment and appreciating things as they happen. So that takes this kind of really like metaphorical, well not metaphorical, but extraordinary journey, something Mm -hmm. you couldn't couldn't really relate to your own experience fully. Um, Mm -hmm. And then it finds a way to relate it to your life and how you can do things better you know it, it proposes that a life where you savor every moment is better than one where you don't um i i don't like i don't know about you brandon but i, I don't like getting vague advice uh and especially yeah. when the the moral of the story is nah nah it's fine it, um you don't have to change a thing about yourself because sometimes yeah right sometimes you do obviously the kind of ideal love that we look towards is that that God shows to us. And that is this idea that, yes, God acknowledges that there are there are things that we have flawed about us. Um, there are definitely things that we can improve about our own lives. But no matter how much we do that, we'll never be good enough just by the standard of goodness. Yeah. But what God does is he kind of takes that approach that we've seen in these more positive examples, these more realistic examples uh, of romantic films and shows where he has the audacity to keep loving someone who is flawed and to keep pouring in that energy to helping them become better. Um, And obviously that's something that is really difficult to emulate in real life. There are times where, and this can be, you know, any kind of relationship, uh, yeah, friends, family, um, and yeah, it's like how how much are you willing to love people unconditionally? Exactly, man. I mean, like when we um, hit the record button um, before we started, we we recorded first, 
and um, I pretended to do a laugh track, and Josh hated me. He ha- he hated it. He didn't know what to do. But do you know what? We started again. We we had brotherly love, and do you know what? We've made this episode now. And I didn't hate it, by the way. It's just that it was. See, see, look, he's so humble. Like, just, was just listen to him. Funky at the start. I feel like the there wasn't a lot of script planning. Um, I feel like the exposition was lacking the uh, energy that it needed to carry the audience on the same journey that we went on. Uh, that's why I elected for us to hit the. God spot. bless him. <laughs> God, God bless him. That's it. He knows when to stop, but you know we we keep going. It's so great. I mean, we could have just decided to stop making podcasts all together right there and then. We could have, but we prevailed. We did. And Good job. we came out better people on the, on the other side. <laughs> um, so actually, I have a, I've been looking through a little bit of writing here as well. And I have one, basically I've written like four chapters, pretty much all about marriage and the responsibility of it and um sacrifice and how it's literally the the theme of marriage responsibility is like etched into theology and i have a very small section here about two paragraphs worth um that i feel really sums up and adds towards what we've been just saying here um so if you're all right with me reading this out But first, can I say one thing? See? Wow. Okay. Right. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, man. Marriage brings us together. (laughs) Bonus points if you know what movie that's from. I'll play that home. (laughs) And if they don't get it. Do not collect $200. Do not use the 50-50 either. Thank you. <laughs> Rated ages turning up. All right, go. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Here's me thinking you're going to say something serious. My gosh. Right. Setting the stage for marriage. Now we turn to marriage, but genuine marriage. Let's be real. The imagery associated with romance is perhaps a bit too misleading in trying to measure an intimate relationship. We should ask what is actually considered to be romantic. I believe modern depictions of romance are often linked with Disney princesses or Disney princess stories and an over-dramatized sense of longing. Whilst romantic longing for one another is realistic, as demonstrated in Song of Songs slash Song of Solomon, our modern stories tend to overlook the grounded normality of reality. That's a cool rhyme there. And we often can't discern what is artistic expression and what is authentic depiction. No one hears how Cinderella and Prince Charming handled daily living, particularly when their relationship was based on nothing more than shoe size. If we want a realistic depiction, I reckon Cindy and Charming took a marriage guidance course with the fairy godmother herself because they knew only each other's wardrobe and nothing more. Love is way more wonderfully complex and deals with the brokenness that has made its way into the relationship. For me, the idea of romance is just a bit too clean, although its elements do carry truth. How can we grow without confrontation? How can we develop without breaking parts of ourselves? What I see as a fault in my wife may be a fault in my own way of thinking and perceiving. 
Sometimes she just needs to stop stealing the blanket. <laughs> In faith, our gradual love allows us to evolve, not only towards each other, but our individual characters also bloom and add towards society. Very nice. And yeah, course, it's all coming together. <laughs> you, you, you mentioned as well that um, that book that the church didn't know quite what to do with for centuries, Song of Solomon. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Solomon, he knew he knew a lot about marriage. He'd been through like 800 of them. Yeah, man. Um, he, he was the physical representation of what the Mosaic law meant when it said, do not multiply wives uh, because yep. you'll end up like Solomon, who's going to be born a thousand years from now or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. So... Yep. Yeah, so you know that when he when he speaks about marriage and relationships, you know he's had a lot of experience. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So true. There's some great passages from uh, End of Proverbs gets quoted a lot, uh, yeah. and of course Song of Solomon. A great example of the the kind of you know the ideal relationship where there's still that freshness to it, and there's that. I suppose that sense of longing for uh, intimacy and all of that. Um, but there's also this kind of commitment. And when you see, I mean, Proverbs 31 focuses on the wife of noble character uh, mm-hmm. and shows that actually, you know, character is far more important in someone than just how they look. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, and the yeah, idea man. that, you know, when you are committing to being with someone, it is about, you know, making sure that, you're helping their character grow, they're helping your character grow, um, and obviously that you're each looking after your own character. Uh, I've said character a lot. (laughs) We see this idea as well, like throughout the Bible, that kind of commitment, and um, Mm, obviously it occurs imperfectly in a lot of cases where it's related to humans. You've got, uh, I suppose, this idea, Adam and Eve, they, of course, mm-hmm. were committed their whole lives, but their marriage began with basically being kicked out of paradise. So that's a rocky start. Um, you've, yeah. you've got all those early patriarchs, um, and no, that's not a bad word. I'm just referring factually. They were just the male figures uh, in mm-hmm. Genesis um, you've got Jacob who worked 14 years in order to win the hand of his beloved in marriage. Uh, yeah. And of course, that was all back when, uh, let's just say, all the Bible characters came from Alabama and leave it at that. Um, <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we, I mean, we've talked about that briefly before, haven't we? And we said it's it's uh, it definitely wasn't as um, weird back then as it is now. But like, not just in terms of culture stuff, but like it was kind of necessary at the time. Anyway, let's. Yeah. By the time we get to Mosaic Law, it was deemed as weird and also immoral. So you know, exactly, it was a necessary exactly. evil at best. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, but hey, uh, so yeah, to to continue on the thread of, of biblical marriages, you've also got um, the inspiring story of Ruth, um, of seeing how 
again, this is an example of uh, a woman who saw no hope for her future and ends up becoming redeemed by uh, a vaguely close family member, uh, mm-hmm. Boaz, um, who took that estate because she was a widow. Um, basically, yeah. he took over that estate and redeemed her bloodline. And that is the bloodline yeah. that Jesus came from. So yeah. that idea of the like the grace and mercy that was shown by Boaz, because mm. it was a huge financial risk to him. Um, huge, yeah, definitely. But when we look, you know, across the Bible, it talks about being uh, generous to the orphan and the widow, because those people have had it rough. Um, yeah, completely, so continually, man. you know, we get this idea that when people got married in the Bible, it was for the long haul. And God always used in those uh, major biblical characters that we see, uh, their marriages were always used purposefully. Uh, and that idea of lineage and, and bloodline was, uh, what, I mean, one of the key ways that they, uh, you know, showed the divinity and humanity of Jesus. And it was a hugely important thing that, you know, he was able to fulfill the scriptures and he'd come through this long bloodline that was prophesied about that he would be a son of David. And it's like, well, God had to plan that and he had to do a lot of planning and that required oh, yeah. a lot of human beings putting up with mm. each other through thick and thin and you know for, I, um... for every for every Ruth and Boaz you also get a David and Bathsheba so it's it's not all rosy as I mentioned no man um, it's, it all it's quite to... sorry I'm rambling <laughs> no 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 please go on actually just say that um, a little bit but yeah just to finish this little bit um it all points to that perfect marriage that uh, God describes, which is of the church and Christ coming Mm. together as a bride and husband. This idea of a perfect unity, and again, in the same way that we're expected to love one another, uh, God extends that love to us, where no matter how many times we fail, uh, no matter how many times we we laugh at friends... (laughs) Yeah. Uh, no, that's a low blow. I like friends. Uh, uh, oh, I think yeah, um, everyone does. To to an extent, <laughs> except the people who don't like it. Um, oh, well, oh, yeah, great, good point, Josh. <laughs> yeah, everyone likes friends except the people who don't like it. But awesome. you know what? Um, no, I don't know how to turn that into a. But but God likes it. Likes you. Does. <laughs> <laughs> Please, not uh, sense. If you listen this long, you might as well stick around for another five. Minutes. <laughs> <laughs> out. <laughs> this was but, what he was um, leading up to. He cut Brandon off like five times, and this, this was, yep. But um, yeah. But just uh, just wrap it up. Yeah, God likes you. Just. <laughs> he likes you. <laughs> um. All right, so um, I was going to mention two things as well to really expand on that because they're great points. So I just finished the book of Ezra today and there was a really interesting point at the back end of it. And there's some confrontation between um, the elders because what Ezra has instructed the Israelites who have literally just come back from 
well, I say just a few years. Um, they've come back from the exile, they've come back in Jerusalem, and they've a whole bunch of people have married foreign people um, who weren't originally Israelites. So there's an awkward confrontation because what Ezra instructs everyone to do is get divorced essentially don't be you know the, don't be yoked with a different kind but the but there's confrontation because other people in the church are like um god doesn't like divorce we like this idea of commitment and sticking to it and and so there's like a real sense of conflict um mm. and i haven't um dove too much into the context around it but i think it is one of those really interesting um contexts where you can see both sides because you can see how these people are literally trying to rebuild their culture again after being in exile so they're like building up they want to make sure that the um culture isn't perverted like it was um way before the exile, hence the reason why they ended up going into exile, because they just had no grasp or understanding of who God was anyway. They were just so clouded with other gods and religion infiltrating. So I can understand that, but I can also 100% understand that everyone else was like, but they're married now and they have children as well. Like, are you sure you want to separate them and not only just separate but send them off on their way it it was like it's an awkward thing and so there um i think from what i have read there has been some um complex issues with ezra not actually being instructed by god to do that but being influenced by other elders to do that um i think that's more of a biblical theological thing that probably we could discuss yeah. further um even after this podcast josh but i think that's a really interesting point where like there is i think the main reason i bring it up as well is it's one of those things where like there is there are definitely times and places to not be married um particularly in the form of like abuse and as jesus even says in the new testament he's like obviously um don't be divorced unless there's been a sexual immorality um, yeah, it's, a, yeah. It, it's reasonable enough so yeah i think there's definitely a time and a place for that but it's it's knowing when to commit and i think yeah, there's a major problem yeah. today that's if you don't feel happy then therefore you've you gotta leave and it's just like that i feel there is a point where if your partner isn't doing anything and you've worked too too hard oh, um, yeah. then yeah I mean, I, I suppose that's, that's really what courtship is for um, yeah. and dating is like to figure out, again, as I mentioned before, this idea, it's all about character. And mm. to kind of clarify Brandon's point about uh, how in the Old Testament, you know, we've got um, these examples of where God says, oh, don't intermarry with other nations. Uh, again, that was a very context-specific thing. It was that God yeah. raising up a nation of people that were uh, followers of him. They worshipped only him, and uh, he wanted to keep it that way by not mingling cultures together so that the other nations would be able to look and see that, oh, these people are living differently. Oh, that's because they serve the I Am. 
they don't serve Ball, they don't serve uh, what's-his-face over there with the gammy leg uh, and the fire horns. I don't know. There was probably one like that. Um, oh, 100%. So this, this idea, yeah, is that um, God was very much about building up this nation of people that were faithful to him, and that's still what he wants to do, but he's, I suppose entered us all into that new covenant so that anyone now has the opportunity exactly. to, to be a part of that kingdom and that we are actually saved by what God has already done rather than that expectation. But totally uh, what Brandon has said as well is important. I keep referring to you in third person because it's like I'm, I'm talking to our audience, but I realize I can, mm. I can actually interact with you a bit more, couldn't I? <laughs> Uh, there's a time and place for both. <laughs> what one has said uh, prior, um, yeah, this idea about character, like if you, I, I mean, again, I have no experience, so take this with a pinch of salt, but if <laughs> if you uh, are dating someone who just does not show good character, then that can sometimes be a sign that, you know, that person is not the right one for you but once you've decided to commit to someone if you've seen that actually there's something in their character um and there is like i suppose a common ground a strong foundation and not the whole we were on a break thing because that's dumb um then you know once you made that commitment you stick to it um there's a very serious element and again we could do a whole thing on uh, vows and promises especially mm. ones you make in God's house to God uh, and to a bunch of people watching. So, yeah. Yeah, um... yeah man. Big thing on that. Um, I think there's one thing I kind of wanted to touch on that you said that can really wrap this up because this has turned out to be a proper long episode. It might be two episodes, Whoa. let's be real. Well, um... People don't want two episodes of rom-coms. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they got ten seasons worth of it. Hey. <laughs> hey. Uh, <laughs> um, so I think this is pretty much what I've been writing about, and it's just being about like the covenant that runs throughout scripture, and we've particularly witnessed it because um, we're doing the the shred, <laughs> reading the entire Bible in thirty days. I Not just really want to say born. as well. Um, this is this is the point where I point out that I am very much human and uh, fallible. Um, I I was actually the one who mentioned to Brandon, oh yeah, I started doing the shred. I tried it last year. I got to Isaiah. I gave up. Uh, I tried it this year. I got to day two and I fell behind. Um, and now. I think I'm two weeks behind, and Brandon's still been soldiering on. So, uh, Mate, I'm like about like... five days. <laughs> well, you know what? That's nine days better than me. So good, <laughs> this guy a medal. Uh, so yeah, you, you've been uh, giving me encouragement. Like, look, man. Ah. Uh... All it takes is just you know getting through one chapter, ten chapters. Come on, fifty chapters. Come on, man. Come on. A hundred, a hundred so chapters. Good, Come on, you can. You can do it. Can. <laughs> Do you know what? It's been great because I, I, I mean, it's understandable as well because like you've been so, so busy and um, I know that things have been, sound like we're in a counseling session here, right? So <laughs> I, I know you've been. Um, we're on a break. 
<laughs> you've been stressed a little bit with stuff so like i totally get that you've taken time with that but it's funny because i and i was actually saying this to my new friend that i made in the coffee shop today and i was saying how when we That's a new friend in the coffee shop that you met today amazing i'm gonna have to send the um podcast link to her and say that she had an honorable mention um <laughs> So, yeah, um, and I basically said how you mentioned it, and I got excited. I was like, do you know what? I need to do it as well. And then I instantly thought, yeah, we really need to do this together because I feel like it, it's almost impossible to do it um, by yourself, and you definitely mm. need that um, encouragement from, from both sides. So, yeah, yeah, it's good, man. Hey, I, do you know what? This wasn't my intention at all, but I think that really demonstrates some of the values of, like, that kind of, intimate relationship and it's not just like marriage or anything like that but the intimacy that god's um god's love kind of channels through all of us so like you know we're just two brothers helping each other out and making sure that we're we're sticking to our guns and we're gonna achieve this wonderful yet absolutely utterly exhausting um challenge i don't like call it a challenge it's not a youtube thing um (laughs) But, you know, it is a challenge. I, I'm going to call it that. It is a challenge. 30, yeah. The Bible in 30 days. It's days. so difficult. 150 days, shreds. Yeah. I think that's more Two realistic. Two-year shreds. Right? Yeah, that's uh, more realistic. It kind of stops being a shred when it's more than, like, 60 days, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I totally agree. I'm I'm aiming for 50 days. That's what I'm really aiming for. Nice. Score. Let's go. I don't Let's, know. I'm not. I'm not even halfway through yet. Bible um, represent. Um, so yeah. yeah. Anyway, I was sorry. I'm just gonna get to my point really uh, here yeah. as well. <laughs> um, from what we've basically that was a long way to say we've been reading the Bible a lot and seeing it more as a unified narrative. So because of that, you start to see some of the really strong themes of marriage um, propelling through, and there's certain aspects like. Um, which I've noted and wrote about, which I've kind of been diving all over as well to do this research, but like um, the book of Hosea and um, Jeremiah, and as we've said, Song of Solomon, yeah, they're all like incredibly rich um, books that are, sorry, they're books that are rich in imagery that reflects a marriage, particularly the idea of covenant and the covenant between God and humanity and how, he sees um, humanity as his bride or or as a groom. It's just this idea of like the the spouse and, and being um, and having chesed, which um, chesed doesn't necessarily have a proper, a super accurate translation in any language, really. But the one of the most accurate ways to define it is um, in ESV. It's often translated as steadfast love and it's basically yeah. conveying um an unwavering loyalty compassion and love um that's unconditional and that's completely driven by affection but it doesn't really consider how you feel um and it's just it's pretty much loyalty and it's beautiful and yeah god definitely created this image um that's literally, it oozes through all the scripture. And it's just one of those really strong 
things that like I feel we could definitely pay attention to more so nowadays because as as we've said with with so many different things and you know I think we'll keep rambling about it for yonks and it's just that today's culture is just so casual and so focused on um feelings and how we feel and it's again i've written about like how there's a massive um comparison to say exercise you want to be fit and healthy you've got to sacrifice part of yourself mm-hmm. and that that's just that's even for you think about what it's like with someone else like yeah yeah there's a constant need to sacrifice what you feel like you feel so crappy if you have to work out every day or do a, a fitness regime and it's not fun eating good food but in the long run it's awesome you feel so good and it's getting past that initial feeling of oh, i don't want to and, you know and um yeah and as we said there is a time and a place where where you really have got to call it quits but we we need to be rooted in commitment more so and not treating other people like I think you said this to me um, ages ago, Josh, and it was C.S. Lewis quote about how um, casual culture kind of treats people like courts. You try a court on, take it off. Yeah. Try another court on, you take it off. And it's like people aren't objects that can just be used and thrown away that easily. And and we get it. Dating is still part of that. You've, you've got to see whether you and that person bond and connect but when it comes to real intimacy we can't we can't reach the pinnacle of intimacy particularly with um, sexual intimacy and then expect to send people on their way like and I, I, I'm diving between loads of different stuff okay tell me if I'm, I'm going off too much here but like I did hear a fantastic analogy that sex is like fire in that it can provide um in the right context, it provides warmth. Um, it provides light. It can set a, a beautiful atmosphere. It helps us cook. Um, but in the wrong, using the wrong way, it's destructive. It can, it kills, it destroys, it engulfs. And it's that kind of idea of like trying to, people see sex as something that's completely, um, that can be contoured and played around with and experimented with. And it's like, right, but you're, you're taking the, the power, the power of sex away. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing, but it's understanding the gravity of how important it is. Um, And that's why it can be dangerous using the wrong, uh, in the wrong way, but using the right way, phenomenal beautiful the intimacy that that engages two people towards each other and the sense of uh, longing and commitment that's reflected throughout the scripture and that god really expresses towards his people and how he wants to be just in constant um intimate embrace it's it's awesome man everything just flows together that's why I, i ramble on the way that i do you know like just the idea of marriage and intimacy and theology it all just mingles together like like hot gorgeous steaming coffee <laughs> <laughs> i mean i suppose to uh sum up what we've what we've said 
with a with a Bible quote um, that would be in <clears throat> Genesis two, when God says, "It is not good for man to be alone," um, and you know, I think it's telling that the the generation of people that is the most lonely, our generation, mm. is also the one that, you know, has this most kind of casual view around intimacy and genuine connections. It's like, ah, well, you know, we have a very inward looking society that's about, oh, how do I get the most out of something for me? Uh, and actually it's it's in those times where we sacrifice that that we can find that closeness with people that can give us that purpose that happiness that belonging um because mm-hmm. yeah god didn't create us to be individuals he created no. us to be you know collectively together yeah. and all of that yeah man so <laughs> um i never you usually say this but um if you're listening right which you are duh um and you have like any questions because i think the main reason i'm i'm saying this is because this is a very deep and dense topic and i think one that's very um controversial today as well so like if you have any questions or anything that like you want to know more about that we probably may not have clarified or dove into as much as we probably wanted to uh, or that you wanted to hear feel free to like message um brandon through instagram yeah yeah message brandon, brandon. <laughs> <laughs> no no i mean you can just forward them you're you're good man you're knowledgeable you're wise i think i probably would have a bit more advice on marriage like but um, yeah, it's definitely more my expertise, let's just say. But yeah, either message me. Definitely, um, definitely uh, drink coffee sometimes. But if you're allergic or your spouse is allergic, then don't drink quite as much coffee. Preach. Preach. Fantastic. I love that. Such wisdom. Oh, I should call you Solomon. um but yeah um Um, there's multiplying by zero counters multiplying wives and and don't don't worry i'm not one of these edgy teens who's like 19 and like oh i'll be alone forever i i'm not in the headspace right now to care (laughs) i'm not gonna pretend that at the age of if, if i'm not if I'm not like Brandon by the time I'm 22. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that statement itself was a good edgy. That was great, man. <laughs> yeah, so, um, the listeners are, are slowly dropping off. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if you have any questions, message me on Instagram, crossover collab as well. Um, more than likely, if you're listening, you know me. So, yeah, sounds good. Anything else to add, Josh? Mowage! <laughs> Wings.
Bye-bye.